0: Previously, on A Romp Across Aethna.
1: I unfortunately have to go start my shift. She leaves you with a last kiss before making her way to the door. Hey, hero, why don't you have a seat next to me? The creature notices you. You may call me Adelita. If I stroke faster, he'll give me
2: more. A Romp Across Aethna, Episode 4 Fracas with the Flathorns. So you found a magical amulet in your dad's belongings and decided to put it on, Adelina asks. You're either incredibly brave or really stupid.
0: The pink and green winged creature ignores your attempts to explain that you didn't realize it was magical when you found it. Let me get a closer look at it, she says, hovering in front of your face. You pull out the necklace from under your tunic and hold it out in front of you. Her eyes dart back and forth over the intricacies of the symbol. You watch as she reaches out a hand, only to yank it back at the sound of an electric shock. Ow! What did you do that for? She asks, rubbing her hand. When you swear you didn't do anything, she cocks a brow and
2: hovers in closer. Well, if you didn't, then this thing must have some kind of magical affinity tied to you. Why don't you take it off and put it on the ground? If it's still throwing bolts at me, then maybe it's a living amulet. You make a joke that maybe
0: it just doesn't like phase as you attempt to pull the metal necklace over your head. Once your hands raise halfway above your jaw, they stop. It's like an invisible barrier surrounds your head, preventing your hands from pushing above it. You fold your thumbs under the necklace, lifting up as if you were pushing a log above your head. But no matter how much you struggle, it doesn't budge. With a firm grip tightened around the thin metal chain, you pull as tight as you can, attempting to snap the silver rings. Again, nothing happens. Finally, you pull out your survival knife and carefully saw at the links. Even pressing with all your might, it leaves no markings.
2: I think that settles
0: it! Looks like you're cursed. Adelina says, shrugging. When you press her on what she means... She lets out a sigh before holding out her hand and speaking an incantation. You watch her eyes shift from blue to orange as she stares at your amulet. You can hear your amulet building up energy right before Adelina dodges out of the way from another bolt. The color in her eyes fades back to blue before she returns in front of you. You notice the shift in her behavior as she bites on her nail, her eyes not leaving the amulet. Where did you say you got that amulet? After reminding her it was among your father's things, she nods her head quickly.
2: I I was half-joking earlier about you being cursed, but now I'm not so sure. That amulet is giving off a very dark aura. Usually magical auras project outwards, but this thing is pulling inward. I can also tell it's full of blood magic. You may have made a mistake, my champion.
0: When you hear blood magic, your mind is transported instantly back to one of your father's lessons.
3: Alright. Today we're going over the various types of magic users. While magic is rare in Ethna, it's common enough in the major cities that we should probably still go over it. Now, take everything I'm about to tell you with a grain of salt. I'm no wizard slinging fireballs from my ass. Most of this is what I've picked up from conversations with others, or things I've read about. (laughs) Yes, I do read, smartass. (laughs) Now, there are three types of magic users. Innate, Divine, and Blood. Innate casters are born with their magic. Their ability grows over time through training, study, and experience. So, if you see some beefed-up Ubian that looks like he can lift a house and starts throwing lightning like it's a javelin, well, you've probably got yourself an innate caster. Next are the Divine. These are individuals who have been blessed by the deities in some form or another. Their gifts are, mm, instantaneous and increase based on their favor with their god or goddess. These are the most common kinds of magic wielders in Ithna. Their casting ability is limited to the strength of their favor, and does run out after being used so many times. They have to recharge, in a sense, before they can continue to cast. Sometimes that's doing something for their deity, um, praying or just waiting a set period of time. Finally, There are those who dabble in blood magic. Blood magic is unique in its own right. Most forms of casting require a combination of somatic, verbal, and material components. Blood magic always requires a material component tied to blood. Life force, uh, things like that. Blood magic users are also not limited by their experience. Anyone can learn it. You can learn a high-level spell beyond your control if you have the instructions. It just requires more, um... <clears throat> ...material components. Sure, it sounds useful, but you know from Mevin's tragedy that this is not something to be trifled with. Two lovers dabbling in things that they shouldn't, and an entire city paid for it. All that's left is a scar upon our world. I know that you have good intentions, son, but that kind of power isn't something that should be obtained that way. Trust me on that. I have, uh, first-hand knowledge of the consequences. A story for another time. (laughs) Let's put this equipment away and get some dinner. I'm sure you're starving.
0: Your memory fades away as you focus on Adelina waving her hand in front of you.
2: Are you okay? You kind of zoned out there for a second.
0: You smile and nod before continuing through the nearby forest. The smell of burnt wood fills your nose, causing you to freeze before you reach the nearby clearing. When you glance over at Adelina, she confirms that she, too, can smell it. You sprint to the forest's edge and notice a black plume of smoke rising into the bright night sky you hunch over, shuffling quickly through the tall grass as you crest a nearby hill, giving you a perfect view of the passage that winds its way through the town. The faint orange glow sparks from an overturned carriage, signaling the source of the rising smoke. The wagon's dead marehuns create a physical barrier, blocking any passage through the main road. Sounds of the townsfolk screaming, shattering glass, and cracking wood ring through the village's streets, as the thieves make their way into the buildings, a deep, husky voice echoes from a white-painted minotaur wearing a skull headdress, who stands on the second-story balcony of Mary Beth's. His tongue is foreign to you at first, until you hear a slight ringing in your ears, followed by the hum of your amulet.
3: Yes, I am a You have only things of value that you can carry, brothers and sisters.
0: The Minotaur shouts?
3: The townsfolk are not our enemy. Shove all of them into the warehouse. However, if anyone puts up a struggle, do not hesitate to end their miserable lives.
0: You take a few deep breaths, trying to calm yourself down as your anger builds. Various scenarios play out in your mind as you think about how you want to proceed. The Flathorns move from building to building, pushing more of the townsfolk into the warehouse. But it isn't until you see Lady Roxa receive the backhand of a brute that your body moves without cognition. What are you doing? Adelina asks, grabbing onto the back of your collar. There's way too many of them for you to handle! You ignore her remark as you stealthily make your way across the main road and up the familiar hill. Crouching low, you stay hidden in the tall grass as you make your way back to the pack. The angle of the hill gives you a perfect view of the backside of the warehouse. Two flathorns stand idle in front of the warehouse's closed rear doors. Looking for a way in, you spot the building's pulley block and hook hanging in front of the second floor storage opening. An idea pops into your head as you drop the valuables you were carrying and rummage through your pack to pull out your rope. What do you plan to do with that? Adelina asks. Kneeling down, you point out to the flathorns and spell out your plan. As you explain it, a wicked smile creeps along the horned Faye's face. I'm in. <laughs> she says with a laugh, and the two of you make your way down the hill. Once you reach the nearest building, you lean your shoulder in its side before peeking around the corner. Ensuring that the two flat horns are still there, you roll your back against the wall and look up at Adelina, giving her a nod that you are ready. You watch her cast invisibility upon herself before doing the same for you. You wait patiently as you peek around the corner. The two Flathorns meander, motionless, until their heads jerk up in unison. You watch them draw their axes, marching forward into the nearby forest. When they're out of earshot, you make your move, sprinting down the rows of buildings until you stop underneath the hook. You fashion a lasso and toss the rope around the hook. You pull hard, ensuring the knot is secure and the pulley holds your weight. With a short jump, you climb up 20 feet before swinging your way into the loft's opening. As you land, the weakened wood cracks under your weight and you feel your legs step through. You see two minotaurs scurry into your position. They look up at where you would be if they could see you. When you shift your weight to your opposite leg, trying to pull your stuck leg free, the wood bends, sending you plummeting to the first floor. You have the combat prowess to pull your sword as you fall, bringing it down on top of one of your foes. The flathorn's half-hewn body slumps to the floor, motionless. Your victory is short-lived as you look up at the second combatant, whose wide eyes and snarl tells you that the invisibility is no longer active. When you attempt to pull your blade, you find it stuck in the thick meat of the dead minotaur's shoulder. Your foe is already on a downswing as you manage to jump out of the way, leaving your blade behind.
1: The minotaur's
0: fury burns bright as it shouts with every swing, coming inches from ending your life. The sensation is compounded by the gusts of air you feel from each missed blow of the beast's axe. Frantically, you grab and throw anything nearby, attempting to slow your foe's pursuit. However, the range of the beast man is endless, causing you to turn and sprint. You run past dozens of townsfolk who watch your frenzied attempt at escape while you try to figure out a plan that doesn't involve losing your head. Your eyes lock with Chorus and Finnick, who raise their hands to show their rope bindings. Rounding one of the wagons, you toss your survival knife to your allies before catching your pursuer's head in your side. You're sent airborne before sliding across the dirt floor. You gasp for air as the minotaur's shadow looms over. Your back presses against the nearby wall with nowhere to go. A sudden realization occurs that the amulet isn't healing you fast enough. You kick at your foe's legs in a last-ditch effort, refusing to give up. It does nothing. As the Flathorn raises his axe to deliver a killing blow, you close your eyes in a moment of acceptance. It was my idea
2: to have us meet up here on the home. You want Miss Always something been something about me. Why are you wanting to go to you home? there? Who am I? It's <laughs> small
1: but quaint. You know me. How dangerous Foxy, there
2: you A job. Do you have any Fine. to Fine. But through. I am coming too. Hey, Thank video. you for the wonderful Remember night last like night. I won't forget like it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been, been so boring being all alone. But I love
3: you. I love you, my son.
2: Chorus's roar precedes a giant thud,
0: and you open your eyes to see the Baron using his massive size to claw and bite into the horned man's flesh. In a primal brutality you never expected from the laid-back man, he watches his teeth tear into the minotaur's neck, leaving only a croaking whine before your assaultor's body drops limp. By the time you are able to breathe again, Chorus reaches out with a bloody paw and helps you up to your feet. You turn to hear Lady Roxa issuing orders to the recently freed guards. With the confidence of a commander, she corrals all the able-bodied men, instructs them to grab a makeshift weapon, and lines them up in front of the main door. As soon as her troops are ready, shouts and banging echo from the other side of the warehouse doors. Wood shrapnel scatters out to the floor as axe heads split through the thick timber. Lady Roxa turns and shouts at your long-eared companion.
1: Finnick, grab your bow and quiver. Get up to the second level and start raining death. We need room to maneuver so we can push these assholes back.
0: Finnick pulls his arm from his sling and rotates his shoulder before calling on you to follow him. You follow your companion to the center of the warehouse, rounding the back of one of Lady Rox's wagons. While Finnick climbs into the back, you sprint over to your recent kill, placing your boot on the minotaur's corpse and pulling at your sword with all your might. With a meaty thunk, your sword comes free, and you wipe it down before sliding it into your scabbard. Finnick calls you back to the wagon before he hands you the spare bow and quiver that you used to hunt. You two race up the wooden stairs, doing your best to minimize the sound of your footsteps, but there's only so much you can do given the age of the wood. Once you reach the front of the warehouse loft door, you two take position on each side. Finnick counts down from three before sliding the barn door open. You both freeze as you look down at two Flathorns standing on a ladder. After a moment of hesitation, Finnick releases the first shot It pierces the Flathorn's forehead, sending the lifeless body down on his companion below. Once again, Finnick's prowess with a bow astonishes you, drawing and releasing four times as many shots as yourself. The bombardment is enough for the Flathorns to pull back from the door, scattering to nearby cover. You rush to the edge of the overhang, calling down to Lady Roxa that now is the time to press your advantage. With the signal given, Lady Raxa, her guards, and the armed townsfolk swarm into the city streets, using their superior numbers to overwhelm the nearby combatants. You and Finnick provide range support, trying to keep the Flathorns on the defensive while your allies push them farther out of the town you hear the booming voice of the white-painted minotaur call for a retreat before the remaining enemies turn tail and flee into the nearby forest. Shouts and cheers roar through the major road as the townsfolk celebrate the successful defense of their home. Mew and Finnick laugh at your near brush with death, slumped down in the loft window before sharing a swig of whiskey out of the rabbit folk's flask. It's a small reprieve from the chaos that ended moments ago. Even though you're dubbed a savior of the town, you know the night is far from over. After retrieving your bag and the city's valuables, you meet with Lady Raxa and the Stone Ridge Meadows mayor to discuss the cause of the recent disturbances. When you arrive at the mayor's home, you overhear shouts from the thick, green-tailed naga, complaining about the fact that the sheriff took off at the first sign of trouble. Your arrival pacifies the mayor's attitude when you set the various gold, gems, and jewels on his table. Without Adelina's presence, you find it difficult for them to believe your tale of the Fay. The mayor doesn't seem to mind, though, and thanks you for your service, agreeing to pay you your fee. Minus Lady Rox's cut, the measly 45 gold you're given is a far cry from the hundreds that you had in your possession moments earlier, making you wonder if you made the right decision. Trying not to let it get to you, your mind attempts to focus on the positive. You've more than tripled your gold stash. It only took you nearly dying multiple times in the span of several hours. It appears Freyna was right to be concerned, you think to yourself. As you leave the mayor's home and are sliding your coin in your satchel, you can't shake the feeling that someone is watching you. When you look up, you see Lady Roxas standing close, her bottom lip pinned by one
1: of her long teeth. (laughs) Consider me impressed. Not only did you manage to get the townsfolk their coin back, but you freed me and the entire crew. She pauses, leaning on her back leg
0: while she looks you up and down.
1: Hmm. Once we're done packing up and back on the road, meet me in my private carriage. I have a... Hmm. Proposition I'd like to discuss with you.
0: Departing from the conversation... She winks at you, before heading down the road back to the Warehouse. The entire ordeal leaves you confused about her intentions. You shrug it off and make your way to the backside of the Warehouse where you last saw Adelina. Cupping your mouth, you shout her name as you venture further into the nearby forest. The brush is thick, casting an endless darkness in the surrounding area. You pull a torch and light it. Fortunately, The dense foliage allows you to track the path of the Minotaur's movements easily, using the broken tree stems as markers. Your body tenses, and you quickly draw your sword when you notice drops of blood along the trail. While the bulk of the flathorns fled to the east, you realize there could still be foes in the area. Casting the flame of your torch, you stop and scan the area, waiting for anything to happen. With no signs of danger, you continue forward along the path, until the blood trail stops. You cover your nose and mouth as the smell of decay assaults your nose. Your eyes widen at the corpses before you. The Flathorn's body on the left is almost unrecognizable because of the dozens of multicolored fungal growths that cover its skin. Welts that mimic that of insect stings cover the second body. However, the pus and size of the welts are unlike anything you have seen before. You confirm that whatever attacked them, you certainly don't want to have to deal with. Champion! A voice calls to you from the canopy. Your head jerks up, and you watch Adelina fly down from a nearby tree branch.
2: I'm so glad you came for me. For a minute, I was worried you had forgotten about me. You reassure
0: her that you wouldn't do that to her, before looking down and asking her what happened.
2: Oh, was I not supposed to take care of them?
0: Pointing at the corpses on the ground. You ask if she did this to them.
2: Of course I did, silly. I wasn't going to let them turn around and come after you. Adelina flies down, hovering between the two bodies. This first one, I conjured fungi all over his body. The second one, I summoned killer wasp. (laughs) You should have seen them running around screaming. (laughs) They couldn't figure out what was going on and where the attacks were coming from. Letting out a small laugh...
0: You make a mental note not to piss off the Fae. You put your sword back into your sheath and motion Adelina to follow you. She settles on your shoulder, sitting cross-legged as you make your way back to town.
2: I'm really excited about traveling together, my champion. If today was any indication of the weeks, months, and years to come, I'm so excited I found you.
0: You smile and agree, thinking of the implication of her being with you forever given that you two just met hours ago. You weigh the usefulness of having a magical fae on your side, and settle that for now. You're not gonna worry about it. She seems nice so far. Adelina lets out an enormous yawn, stretching her arms before resting her head against your neck.
2: However... today was pretty exhausting casting all that magic. I wouldn't mind catching a bit of sleep. Once you make your
0: way back through the forest, you smother the torch, allowing the glowing light trickling through the town's many windows to light your path. The music and celebration coming from Marybeth's is almost deafening as you pass by. Calls from the second floor balcony pull your attention upward. Talia blows you a kiss, (laughs) while several of the staff pull at their clothing to entice you for another visit. Exaggerating the jester, you stumble backward, placing your hand over your heart before laughing and waving goodbye to the miniaturess and her companions. In perfect timing, you see the caravan pull out of the warehouse, giving you the opportunity to wait for Uriah. As the mouse folk passes you, he slows down and motions over his shoulder, allowing you to climb on board. Aboard the wagon, you find Finnick and Chorus already asleep while you slide off your pack. Untying the leather straps on the bottom of your bag, you unroll your travel mat and blanket. You take time to fold them into a comfortable square before setting Adelina on top. With whispered words, you let the fey know you'll be back soon. Lazily, she waves an arm upward before pulling the edge of your blanket over her body. You roll out of the back of the wagon and jog your way up to the front of the caravan. Lady Rex's carriage stands out amongst the rest While the rest of the wagons are covered in an arching leather fabric, Lady Rox's looks more like a house on wheels. Twice as large as the others, your employer's wagon is as complex as her personality. It's enclosed in a crescent moon frame that's painted maroon with elaborate gold accents. The back sports a full-sized door with a steel step leading to the entrance. When you reach the back, you jump on the metal footrest Grab one of
1: the vertical mounted handrails and knock on the door. Come in. The door's open. Ah, hero. Thanks for coming. Please have a seat at my table. I just need to finish entering these notes into my ledger. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? You've never seen me in this? Of course you haven't. I don't go trotting around making business deals in my evening wear. Although, for some negotiations, it probably would help. <laughs> Ugh, with the delay of our leave and the loss of supplies taken by the Flathorns, this entire stop almost cost me money if it weren't for you helping out the mayor with their pest problem. Although, you could see it in the mayor's eyes that he didn't believe you at all. Huh, you know... If it wasn't for you dropping into the warehouse and appearing out of thin air, I probably wouldn't have believed the story you told either. I mean, a fae? Really? Wait, what? She's asleep in the last wagon? And you're just telling me this now? Given her affection for you and the fact that you have helped me multiple times, I will trust your judgment on this but you should know that fey are bad luck. I don't know a single story involving a fey that is a happy one. If anything bad happens while we're still on contract, I'm going to hold you responsible. Are we clear? Good. How about some wine then? Hmm. mm, mm yeah. I love this wine. Leave it to the elves to make something so soft and full bodied. Every time I pass through Erlithir, I pick up a few crates. It's a good thing that we're starting the southern route because I am down to only a few bottles. What do you think? It's good? <laughs> You're drinking some of the best wine on the planet, and that's all you have to give me? <laughs> Oh, well, I suppose that's fair. I'm sure Bloomsfield isn't quite known for their variety. If I may, I never would have imagined you flipping my perception of you the way you did. Well, to be quite frank, I thought you weren't going to show up for the job. When we first met and you told me it was your ambition to make it all the way to the Academy, I thought you were giving me a ruse. It happens all the time, some young soul looking to travel across the country, hoping for greener pastures or a fresh start. Only when they get there all their problems they ran from are waiting for them like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Then when you didn't show up at the crossroads, uh well... (sighs) I'm glad you proved me wrong is all. Exactly! As a matter of fact, I've grown rather fond of you, if I am being honest. Yes, really. Your actions over the past week have proved to me that you're someone reliable, hardworking, and above all else, lucky. You have to be. I don't see any other way to explain your accomplishments. Not many can take on two massive platforms in combat and walk away unscathed. I know you had help, but that's beside the point. In our previous discussions, I told you I have an eye for talent. Whether that just comes naturally, through sheer luck or divine blessings, in business, when you see a good thing, you do everything you can to secure it. Which brings me to one of the reasons I brought you here. This is an employment contract. I want you to come on board full time. (laughs) What do you mean, no? You didn't even read through it. You could at least give me the common courtesy of reading it. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. A weekly salary, covered room and board when we stop, and an equipment stipend. We work a set number of weeks out of the year, and you'll get two months off paid leave. Obviously, there's plenty of downtime throughout the days when we're in major cities, but it can be rather sporadic. I assume everything is to your liking? Of course it is. I wouldn't give this offer to anyone else. (laughs) N-no? You're joking, right? There are people who would kill for this offer! Alright, fine. How about I add a 50 gold bonus? But that's my final offer! What do you mean it's not about the money? Everything is about the money! Oh, I didn't know about your father. My condolences. Interesting. Can I see the amulet? Hmm, I'm not familiar with this symbol or this metal. It's magic too? Well, don't go telling people about that, especially in the major cities. That's a sure way to get a dagger in your back. Magical items are uncommon and quite valuable. Yeah, if you could prove what it does, you could probably sell that and buy a pleasant summer home in Bella Fama. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. That thing hanging around your neck is probably worth more than everything in this caravan combined. Just be careful is all I'm saying. You're welcome. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I'm rather disappointed. This is not how I saw this night going. I figured you'd accept, we'd drink into the night, and then fuck until morning. <laughs> What's that look for? In business, it's always better to be direct and make the terms clear. Oh, really? An offer for me? You've got my full attention. (laughs) Oh, you are quite bold. I'll give you that. Give me one minute. Let me grab a spare piece of parchment. Here's my counter offer. I'm glad those terms are acceptable, but they're not legitimized in Vatnan's eyes until you sign here. Yes, I'm serious. There is a penalty clause, should you not keep your word. Maybe you're not as bold as I thought. Or maybe you're not man enough to satisfy me. (laughs) I thought you'd change your tune. Now get on the floor. Mm, your scent is delicious. The musk of battle, the intensity of your lust. And remnants of elven wine. Ah, it's enough for me to go crazy. Come here, my hero. Let me taste you. Mm. 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 It's as good as I had hoped. Your tongue paired with the wine—I should eat you right up. Mm. Mm. I can feel that bulge of yours pressing up against me. If I had to guess, you're looking forward to the feeling of my lips along your shaft, aren't you? (laughs) Well, you'll have to wait. The terms were quite clear. I get the use of your tongue first. You didn't realize I wasn't wearing anything under this gown, did you? (laughs) Ah, Oh, It's quite clear with me sitting on your face now, isn't it? (laughs) Tell me, hero, have you ever tasted woven pussy before? Well, tonight will be a night of firsts. Now, get to work. Uh, mm, Yes, I knew you were mm, enthusiastic. Uh, uh, Yes, slowly slide your tongue. uh, Yes, just like that. Uh, uh, Now keep doing whatever you're doing. I'm going to rock my hips just a bit. Mm, Fuck, that's... Good. Oh, oh, keep your tongue on my clit. Uh, uh, faster. Oh uh, fuck. Yes. You're going to make me come. Uh, 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 I'm so close. I'm so close. Ah, yes. Lap up all my juices. My hero. Ah, Now, don't move. I'm just going to flip around. No wonder I could feel how hard you were. Your dick is sticking out of the top of your trousers. I knew you were something special, but I can't believe you were hiding this from me the entire time. You're twitching with anticipation already! Does my body excite you this much? Oh yeah? What's your favorite part then? My eyes. What about them? (laughs) I didn't take you for a romantic. Thank you for the compliment. Mm. Uh You don't need to keep going it's my turn to please you oh you want to <laughs> I mean of course you do oh please just keep going I promise I'll make it worth it oh oh Uh yes, right there. Uh, Oh fark that feels so good. Uh, Oh please don't stop. Uh, Oh I guess you are my good luck charm. (laughs) Oh but the scent of your musk has been driving me wild since i've been down here and that little drop of precum is taunting me for a taste uh, um, mm, mm. you like the way my tongue circles your tip mm. how about when i take you all in my mouth Both? Both is good, but greed is an anathema against (laughs) Vatnan. Fuck, you're not making this easy, are you? I can't concentrate when you're sucking my clit like that. (laughs) Mm. Mmm. I don't know if it's you, the wine, or both, but you taste so good. Are you getting close? I can feel you pressing up against my tongue. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. I want you to come with me. hmm Mmm. Mmm. Mmm-hmm. This might be one of the best deals I've made in a long time. I'm glad you agree. Uh, uh you, you still want more? You're taking this fucking Morning claw seriously, aren't you? No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Follow the tail to the bed, then. <laughs> you stand at the edge there, and I'll bend over on the bed. It will be the perfect position for the both of us. First, let me get you ready. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I almost don't want to stop Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah. Ah, Now that you're nice and lubed Do you want my ass or my pussy? Your choice Don't wait too long Otherwise, I'll make the choice for you Uh Oh, 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 fuck. Oh, uh, uh, gods, you're fucking big. <laughs> no, just give me a minute. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Okay, keep going. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, fuck. You feel so fucking amazing. Oh, 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 my ass is so tight around your thick cock. Oh, 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 you like that nobility ass, don't you? <laughs> then tell me this is the best piece of ass you've ever had. Oh, 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 oh my gods. Yes? Grab onto me. It's like your gigantic cock into me oh, oh you're so fucking deep <laughs> oh, oh i don't want this to end oh, 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 you're rubbing my tail it's too sensitive oh fuck you're going to make me come again oh, oh. dick inside me, finishing me, give me your thick cum and my tight little ass, no, not my tail again, fuck, your mouth, as parched as mine. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. Much better. Here, you want some? Yeah, that bottle's from Verb. Not as good, but a lot more crisp and refreshing. <laughs> You'll get the hang of it someday. We just need to drink more wine together. Uh, yeah, it's rather unfortunate. I can't talk you into staying but I understand your reasons. You don't need to make false promises to me. This was fun and I'm glad it happened. Exactly, we can enjoy each other's company for a bit longer and if Septimus decides to bring us back together, then so be it. True, we do have a few days left on our journey. What are you getting at? Oh, you want to extend this contract for the duration of our trip? Sounds fun, mwah but let's renegotiate the terms a bit. Nothing drastic, I assure you, but maybe just leave us a little room for more variety. Sound fun? Good, this is turning out to be one of my favorite transactions. Mwah.
0: Episode summary. Equipment changed. Resecured backpack and included gear. Minus 200 gold worth of jewelry and gems. +45 gold -1 torch XP gained 1 flathorn slain 400 XP Lady Rox's negotiations 200 XP This was a romp across Etna episode 4 Fracas with the Flathorns narrated by Rebecca Woods Your father by Bushida Blasta Lady Roxa, performed by Endymion VA. Adelina, performed by Kumbom. Audio production by Boshita Blasta. Written and produced by Ajax Ligon. Thank you so much for listening to our production. If you enjoyed this performance, please consider subscribing to Ajax's Patreon at patreon.com slash ajaxligon. There, you will gain early access to unreleased episodes of A Romp Across Ithna, art of the various characters of Ethna participate in community events, and more. Make sure to follow all of the artists and performers on social media, which will be linked in the description. Thank you again, and we hope to have you back for Episode 5, Twins Crossing Transactions.